Welcome to Tax and Super Australia's podcast, Tax Wrap, where we share developments, news and insights for all tax practitioners and SMSF professionals. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes and share. We'd love to hear back from you, so send questions and comments, even suggestions for guest speakers, to podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Hello listeners, welcome to the Tax Wrap Podcast. I'm Steve Burnham and we're into episode 169 of uh, the Tax Wrap. Um, I'm here again with uh, uh, David Edmund. Hi David. Hello Steve. Hello. And Michaela, who's Hi. here. Uh, you've heard Michaela I think once before. We've, we've uh, kept her um, in the background a little bit, but uh, she's here today to tell us all about a few things. What was it David? We were going to look at some guidance. Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, so over the past year or so, um, the ATO has been working with the um, consultation forums that oh, Tax yeah. and Super are part of, yep. and um, you know, over that year, 18 months, uh, we've developed a suite of products for tax agents to use in uh, discussions with their clients at tax time. Yep. Okay. So you know, the end goal was to uh, produce helpful materials that um, assist in providing confidence and clarity to both the tax agent. Yep. And the client. And the client. Right. Yep. Then the ATO has issued some documents, I think, some guidance yep, correct. on different topics. Michaela, what are they What are they covering? So the ATO has released um, a few um, short and to the point uh, guidance documents that cover basically um, a lot of the things that you would see um, employees claiming on their tax returns. So oh, right. things like uh, clothing and laundry, gifts and don- donations... Uh, car expenses uh, for work-related travel yep. and um, costs associated with employees working from home. Oh, right, right. Okay. And what, it, it, they've released guidance in the form of what? Is it? Is it like uh, a web page or, or a PDF? Uh, what sort of form do they take? Um, it's about a two-page um, each PDF. Okay. Um, and it just covers um, basically, say, for example, um, clothing and laundry. Yep. It goes through... Um, what items you typically can claim, yep. um, what constitutes um, a work uniform and what you have to meet um, in relation to that. Oh, and yes. then it goes through a few scenarios, um, common scenarios that you would see. Um, for example, um, I'll just name one of them here. Yep. Um, it says, situation, your employer tells you to wear a plain, to wear plain black pants and a black polo shirt oh, right. and then it goes through would the clothing be deductible would the laundry be deductible and then gives a reason why oh that's so helpful a, that's good yeah yeah because yeah. that's, that's the thing i think half the time guidance that i've found as, as a as a lay person because i'm not a, a tax agent or an accountant but i'm just sort of i don't know what i'm doing here really but anyway mm. um, <laughs> none of us do um, steve no, is to know what you can't claim don't even bother you know so it's it's good to have that don't even bother claiming these. They're not going to exactly. Cut it it's yet. Uh, the type of guidance that an everyday person can use without um, yeah. necessarily needing that tax background to understand it. That's good for the for the practitioners because then you don't have clients. Think, oh, how about this? No. How about that? No. Yeah. You know, don't go Just through try the list. Try luck. <laughs> yeah, try the luck. Okay. Um, on clothing and laundry, uh, Ashley, David, I remember you had some amazing fact that you were talking about the other day. Oh, it's, it's not one of the more amazing ones. No. But um, in the, the uh, well, it's this time last year, so it would have been the 2016 tax returns, yep. it came out that um, 6.3 million Australians uh, lodged uh, claims for clothing and laundry. Really? So that's, what, I suppose, one in every four, oh, I'll take. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, we know that's highly unlikely. Oh, so, um, yeah, that's... Um, 
So hence the ATO has issued a bit of guidance on what you can and can't claim. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, Michaela, also uh, employees working from home, is, um, I don't know whether that's um, uh, a not common scenario, but it may be getting more common. Yeah, I guess it would be coming um, more common in the age where um, there's a lot of flexibility now and um, your employer might let you work from home, say, two, do- two days of the week. Yeah, um, yeah. And then employees might be looking at claiming... Um, Costs associated with that. Right, okay, yeah. Because this is the thing, a lot of information, and, and as accountants and tax agents will know, a lot of things are in the cloud. You can basically access a lot of stuff from anywhere and work from anywhere, um, uh, which is great um, for, for productivity and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, I suppose it brings into the scenario the fact that an employee may be at home still being very productive, but fair enough, they should be able to claim some sort of ta- work-related tax deduction while they're schlepping about in their slippers i mean why not exactly what do they cover in this document um they cover running expenses and they give examples of those you know your basic your lighting your um, oh, running the household your, I yeah see. basically yep. the running costs yep. um and then it gives uh methods that you can use uh to apportion a claim for that um based on your private expense and and yep. the work costs i think there's in there that's something about it's like uh, it's a percentage. If you have a home office, it's a percentage of your household floor space or yes, something. Yes, you um, can either do it. Um, they they give you a, the option of uh, calculating based on a fixed rate. So they say here, forty five cents per hour, oh, or you yeah. can do it based on your actual expenses. So yep. you work out what the bill is, and um, you can claim based on um, floor area if if you have. Um, um, a space dedicated, dedicated space. exactly. Right. I don't think that forty-five cents per hour has gone up for many years. I, th- I don't know, but no, it's been uh, forty-five cents uh, for every year I've been in Australia. Oh right, so <laughs> quite a while. <laughs> okay. Um, and apart from running expenses, what else have we got? Uh, well, they explicitly uh, specifically exclude occupancy expenses, ah. which are you know they say here. As an employee, you generally can't claim um, your occupancy expenses being, you know, your your rent, Rent your mortgage interest, things like that. And then they also discuss uh, phone and internet expenses and also um, the type of records that you need to keep um, for each. Yep. It's funny, phone and internet expenses is all, when you get a bundle frequently these days when you uh, sign up for these sorts of communications uh, uh, things, so... um, you need to know how to work that out, but uh, hopefully mm-hmm. they've given a bit of uh, guidance on that. Um, yep, okay. Any other documents that are being provided by the ATO? Uh, one of the other ones was uh, gifts and donations. Right. Um, and so it goes through the requirements that it must be, you know, a, a deductible gift recipient. Oh, like a charity um, or whatever Exactly, but um, I think it, it warns here that not all charities are deductible gift recipients. Ah, okay. Um, so you need to watch out for that. Yep. Um, and then it gives where you can, the website that you can find out whether it is um, a DGR. Right. Um, it also goes through uh, record-keeping requirements. Oh, okay, um, yep. And also... Um, Things that people might not be aware of, um, for example, it lists items that you can't claim as donations. So oh, good, they I like say, that. Yep. Uh, for example, um, you purchase a raffle ticket, um, basically because you're getting something in return, oh, or even yes. if you get a pen or a badge, yeah. um, that you shouldn't be claiming. Uh, the because you get something back. for your two dollars Ex- or five dollars, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. I think that. I mean, I forget that. 
So if you get a chocolate, that's oh well, that's the end of the tax deduction. Yeah. Um, but then what? Should you refuse? No, no, please, no pen. <laughs> I want to claim this. I suppose you have to do that um, if they're going to knock it back. All right. Um, and what, perhaps one more one. Uh, what yeah. else would they um, looked at? Uh, the last one is car expenses. Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, that's a big one. Um, so again, they discuss what type of car travel that you um, can claim. Yep. Um, bearing in mind you can't claim home to work travel, but yep. you might be able to get away with um, travel between workplaces. Yep. Uh, okay. And then it also goes through the methods uh, for calculating your claim. So it, it talks about the cents per kilometre method and the logbook method. Okay, yeah. It's interesting, actually, that, that home-to-work travel, um, uh, there was a story in the newsroom on May 15, if, if listeners want to look it up, it's about home-to-work travel claims generally are not, you know, you can assume that they're not allowed, but there are some specific circumstances where they may be. So mm-hmm. have, have looked that up in these tax and super newsroom if you want to. It was a, just search for home-to-work travel claims, uh, May 15. Speaking of car expenses, I did also read, again, in the Tax and Super Newsroom, um, that's one thing that the ATO has been pushing, that they'll really put the blowtorch on any claims for car expenses this year. They're really uh, having a, a hard look at that. Um, when you mention travel, or car, you're travelling. Um, also, another story in the newsroom, go back to April 15, and that was uh, look up travel allowance or laffer. Just um, been covering that in the slow, long build-up to tax time. Mm-hmm. These documents, Michal, are they available on the ATO website? Yes. Or David? Yes, yes they are. Um, I have the address here somewhere before I started spreading out. <laughs> um, There's a whole big pile of papers spread out in front of David Ebden as we speak, but he's yep, yep. here so it is. The address is um, the address is iorder.com.au. That's the letter I. Order, O-R-D-E-R, okay. dot com dot A-U. Uh, and there's a little tab there that says Tax Time Toolkit. And, uh, yeah, you can find all these documents. But there's more than these th- few that we've looked at, is oh, there? Oh, correct, um, correct. The, the majority of what's left are um, specifically aimed at certain types of uh, job. For oh, yeah. example, yep. um, looking at the list, they have cleaners, real estate professionals, police officers, uh Doctors or other medical professionals. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, flight attendants. So if you do have clients in, you know, niche roles. Yep. Um, yeah, you can show them what they can. It'll be a handy thing. Claim. You print out a this PDF and hand it to them when they come in for their appointment yeah, or correct, otherwise. Correct. Or send it out. Send with it a out. Newsletter yeah. or. But yeah, also um, on the iOrder website at the moment, there's the uh, forms for tax time 2017 and 2018. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, you can start getting ready. They're not all available. Um, but keep an eye on it. What was it again? I O R D E R dot com dot au. dot com dot au. That's it. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's and simple. then um, yeah, on on there you can uh, either immediately download them, as Michaela says, as a PDF, yep. or you can request to have them emailed. Okay. Directly to you. Right. And yeah. yeah, the ATO have said that they expect to add plenty more products to the toolkit in the lead up to and during uh, uh, tax time. Tax time. So which starts... Now, tax time starts not now, in July 1. That's Correct. what they call yep. Not the sales tax time. July 1 to October... Yeah, during the... Um, that whole period. Yeah, lodgement yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very informative. Um, thank you, David. Thank you, Michaela. And listeners, I just want to mention that um, Michaela is leaving us. Uh, going on to bigger and better things, um, of course. And um, But we thank her for all her help. Thank you, Michaela. Thank, thank you, you, Michaela. <laughs> um, in the meantime, when, uh, we've been lucky enough to have you here. Um, all right, uh, please hold on, listeners. We'll be right back with the next segment.
Okay, we're back briefly. Uh, just during our short break, uh, David realised that there's another campaign happening at the moment, uh, initiated by the Tax Practitioners Board. David, tell us about it. Yeah, so at the moment the uh, TPB are launching a new campaign which is uh, aimed uh, specifically towards small businesses and individual taxpayers to warn them um, about the unregistered agents out there. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. You know, whilst uh, most tax agents are very strictly governed, yep. um, the TPB have found that there are a lot of unregistered agents um, using popular websites and apps to huh. dish out advice. Popular, which like what? Oh well, for example, you've got your gum trees. <laughs> there might be um, Air Tasker. You know, you really? can post oh, a task, Tasker, and yeah, then yeah, yeah, any, okay. you know, any Joe Blogs can um, yep. phone up and yeah, you know, deal with the question right. for you. Yeah. So. Um, in the build-up to tax time and during tax time, uh, the TPB will advertise on the likes of Google, Yellow Pages Online, yep. uh, Gumtree, to ensure that um, the small businesses and taxpayers who are looking for a tax agent or BAS agent, yep. for that matter, understands that the agent needs to be registered with the TPB. Right, right. So, you know, whilst I'm sure that many, if not all of our listeners, are uh, compliant tax agents, yep. Um, yep. you know... Make sure, yeah. Now, now would be a good time to download the little uh, green tick saying yeah, that you're yeah. a tax agent. And isn't and it the case that a taxpayer who uh, subsequently tries to claim the fees paid to this supposed tax agent can, could not claim that, make that claim if yep, it's not a registered agent? Yeah, that's that's so a potential that's, issue. It's if mm. it's in the consumer's best interest to make sure that whoever you're dealing with has mm. the what is it, the little green tick that comes yep. from the TPB? And you can also go onto the Tax Practitioners Board website and yep. yes, you know, find an agent. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, and you and you can punch in the agent's name yep. or the number they give you, just to verify that they're um, they're kosher. Yeah, yeah, very good. All right, well worth coming back for. Thanks, mm. David. Absolute pleasure. Stay tuned, listeners. We're back, um, and this section of the podcast, um, I thought we'd speak to Majid Sayed, who does uh, takes care of a lot of our helpline calls. Hi, Majid. Uh, hi, Steve. How and are you? You've been taking a lot of calls. I've been hearing you over the partition during the last week or two. What's been going down? What's the some of the more interesting topics that our members have come up with? As usual, uh, Steve, it has been a mixed bag. So yep. there have been lots of queries around um, income tax, basically um, small business CGT concessions and uh, main residence exemption. Right. Um, but, you know, they have also been, you know, GST and fringe benefit tax queries. So it's not, not, not all just income tax, even though it's this, that time of year? No, not no. really, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Also, so what, what are the, some of the uh, conundrums that people have got themselves into? So, you know, uh, I got a couple of interesting scenarios regarding claiming of interest expenses. Interest expenses, yep. yep. There was a scenario where <clears throat> someone had purchased property. Yep. And uh, they wanted to construct a building on it that they eventually, you know, intended to rent out. All right. So uh, they had obtained a loan to purchase the property. So the question was whether they could claim that loan as uh, an expense, right. even though, you know, the property was in the construction phase. Oh, okay. And it wasn't actually able to be rented out yet. Yes. Okay. So, um, there, there's a very famous case called, um, you know, basically we call it Steele's case. And, um, you know, in that case, um, the court held that, you know, 
um, interest incurred in a period prior to the derivation of assessable income right. might be, you know, allowed as a deduction if, you know, certain conditions are met. Okay, what are the conditions? So the first thing is that, you know, the interest must not be incurred too soon. It must not be preliminary to the income earning activities. Like it should not be a preclude to the income earning activities. Okay. Yep. Uh, the interest obviously should not be private or domestic. Oh, yeah, yeah. So on a commercial basis. And the gap between the earning of the um, assessable income and the incurring of the interest should not be so long right. that, you know, the connection between the outgoing and assessable income is lost. Right. And the interest must be incurred with the view to gaining or producing accessible income. Yeah. And uh, continuing efforts should be undertaken in, in pursuit of that end. Okay. And did this satisfy the question? Or was um, it? So, yeah. So, in this case, you know, the property was purchased for renting it out. The person had, you know, been incurring expenditure to construct the property oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, have it constructed as soon as possible. Yeah. In the process, you know, he encountered uh, certain financial difficulties, which, you know, delayed it for a uh, year or so. A year, okay. Yeah, but the thing is that, you know, he was undertaking, um, you know, continuous efforts to have it constructed. Yeah. And um, so, you know, in that case, you know, the likelihood of the interest being um, allowed as an expense is there based on, you know, what has been laid down in Steele's case. Right, yeah. And um, there is an ATO private ruling, um, okay. you know, that could be looked at. This is uh, private ruling number 61534. And, mm -hmm. you know, the ATO in that case had allowed interest expense right. in, you know, very similar scenario. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's a good discussion in there about, you know, the principles that were laid down in Steele's case and, yep. you know, uh, the circumstances that need to be looked at, uh, <clears throat> you know, in considering whether interest would be an allowable expense. So, so this was a member calling on behalf of one of his clients who had this situation, is it? Yes, obviously. So, so if the, his client decided to go ahead and make that claim, does it help his case that he has that um, private ruling and that case to quote? Is that something that helps when you're making such Again, claims? you know... Um, Steele's case lays down the basic principles yep, and yep. if you can establish that you know you're satisfying those principles there's a reasonable chance that you should be able you know to claim interest as an expense yeah yeah and with regard to the private ruling you know if your circumstances are similar there's likelihood that you know it would be allowed by really? the ATO because there is precedence yeah, but again yeah. you know uh, private ruling you know applies to a particular case. Yeah, yeah. It does not extend to, to other every case. case. Yeah. No, but there's so, more of a chance if you have that as a, as a bit of a backup. Yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting. All right. Um, and what else have you got on the pile there? Again, you know, a similar scenario mm -hmm. where, um, you know, um, taxpayers were being spouses, were joint tenants of property. Right, yeah. And uh, what happened was that, you know, one of, you know, the spouses, that is the husband, decided to purchase the wife's share. Oh, okay, yep. And, you know, obtain like 100% ownership. Okay, yep. And he obtained a loan to do that. Okay, right, yep. So and he, again, wanted to claim the interest on that loan. And he wanted to claim interest on that loan. Right. And again, you know, the property was kept, you know, was to be kept for investment purposes. Right, as in, yep. you know, to... 
earn uh, accessible income. Yeah. So the question was whether, um, you know, interest in this situation would be allowed where, you know, a spouse obtains a loan to purchase the other spouse's share. Yeah, I suppose it's different because it's not as though, as though you're two individuals. It's a, a couple. So, yeah, one spouse, another spouse. Okay, so anyway, what was yeah. the outcome? So <laughs> there is an interesting ATO um, interpretive decision mm-hmm. on this issue, which is the ATO ID 2001-79. Yep. And, you know, again, as long as, you know, the principles laid down um, in cases like Steele and uh, Monroe are, you know, satisfied. Yep. There's like there's likelihood that you know interest would be allowed as an expense yes. in this case also. So because you know uh, the property is going to be uh, used to produce accessible income. Mm. So yeah. you know again even though um, you know the interest has been incurred to purchase the spouse's share, but still oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the end uh, view is to. Uh, earn accessible income yeah, yeah and this is an outgoing incurred in you know doing that so you know even you know the ato in their decision say that you know that uh, you know they, they're going to allow it if the relevant conditions are satisfied yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a different case though isn't it because it's um it's an it's interesting a is, yeah. um, s- scenario i mean yeah yeah because it's it's still owned by more or less the same family uh, yeah but they're incurring an expense as in the loan and the interest uh, yep. I wanted to make a tax claim on the back of that. Uh, again, you know, the ATO in this case uh, refer uh, refer to Munro's case. Was it Munro? Yeah. Okay, yep. And, um, you know, this case, you know, it's famous um, in the sense that, you know, it prescribes a use test. Uh, use test, okay. Use test yep. to, you know, establish whether uh, interest is uh, deductible. Right. So it's basically the use to which the borrowed funds are put yep okay you know which would determine the deductibility of the interest and in this case you know the funds have been applied to purchased property that's going to produce accessible income yeah even so, half a property more or less 50 percent. yeah but, but but still you know it's 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 part of the property and um, you know it's the property is going to be used to derive income so yeah, yeah. the conditions uh, laid down in section 8.1 are satisfied Okay, yep. Okay, that's fine. Mm. Well, they're, they're sort of two similar, I suppose, cases, but a little bit different, and it's the differences that make the, uh, the interesting uh, side of things. Okay, um, any other helpline calls that uh, tweak your interest there? So, you know, let's shift our focus to fringe benefit tax. FBT, yep. So... What happens, there was a query which, you know, asked what happens if uh, an employer provides, uh, you know, pays for life insurance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, um, you know, if the employer uh, pays for, you know, income protection insurance cover. Okay. So what would be the fringe benefit tax implications? I suppose when you buy your own income protection insurance, there's there's a case for uh, making a claim on the, for the premiums, isn't there? Is that the case? Yep. So yeah, I just touch on that. Yep. So um, let's uh, you know take life insurance first. So right. for life insurance, um, you need to see who's the beneficiary under the policy of life insurance. Yep. If uh, you know the employer is the beneficiary under the policy, then you know 
no residual fringe benefit would arise because you know no benefit is provided being provided to the employee no okay so a basic condition for a fringe benefit to arise is that um, you know the employer must provide a benefit to an employee yeah okay in so this case it's um, the employer that's the beneficiary under the policy <laughs> wouldn't you be worried if your employer said i'll buy you a life insurance policy i'll, I'll make me the beneficiary okay <laughs> <laughs> and i'll put your desk next to this window no anyway i, I understand that so there's no benef- benefit going to the employee's side of things so yep yep okay however if you know let's say if the employee or his spouse is a beneficiary yep um then you know or any other associate of the employee is a beneficiary a residual fringe benefit would arise right well that's that's interesting majid now what about um what about the case where the employer provides income protection insurance what's the fbt issue there again um steve where the employer provides income protection insurance cover it's probably going to be a residual fringe benefit right however the interesting part is that um um you know there are specific rules to determine uh taxable value of a residual uh, fringe benefit or you know any fringe benefit for that matter okay yep and uh, from that you know from the taxable value is deducted uh, an amount that an employee would otherwise be able to deduct this is known as the otherwise deductible oh, rule okay yeah yeah so you know this rule operates to reduce reduce the taxable value of a fringe benefit right uh, by an amount that would be allowed as a deduction to the recipient employee yep yep so um where you know you receive income protection insurance cover if let's say the employee um had paid it it's a well established uh, principle that you know the premium paid by the employee in respect of income protection insurance policies yep would have would be you know an allowable deduction to the policy holder yeah so since the employee would be able to claim a deduction for that the otherwise deductible rule would apply to reduce the value of the residual fringe benefit okay to the and employer. ordinarily it would be reduced to zero to right right so there're going to be no fringe benefit implications uh-huh. although it's going to be a residual fringe benefit the, but the valuation would you know reduce it to zero okay so there's no and, liability yep. therefore and if you look at if you want to look at you know um, discussion around you know the deductibility of um, premium uh, paid on an income protection insurance policy yep. you might as well look at uh, paragraphs 22 to 26 of class ruling 2002/57 okay and it has it all there yeah yeah oh that's excellent Okay, Najid, well, there are some interesting calls. I keep hearing you over the petition, as I said, and um, uh, people come up with some really curly questions every now and then. Now, while you, you were talking, while Majid was talking, listeners, uh, David Ebden actually snuck into the room and sat down, snuck into the studio. Yes, hello, everybody. <laughs> sat down at the third microphone um, because uh, I think, well, because actually we've, um, that was Majid's last uh, podcast with us. Uh, Majid's going on to better things and uh, leaving uh, at the, after this podcast. And David, it's been um, been a pleasure having you with us, Majid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just wanted to take this opportunity, as, as I did with uh, Michaela in the previous segment, you know, to say thank you for all your hard work, Majid. It was a pleasure working with you and to be associated with Tax and Super. Checks right. in the post. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks very much, listeners. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back, listeners. We are on our last segment of this Tax Wrap podcast, episode 169, and um, as has become usual, uh, we thought we'd finish up with a, 
one of our WTF's uh, wacky tax facts. Um, now, I think um, <coughs> David was mentioning, David Ebden's with me. Hi, David. Hello. Yeah, David, you were mentioning the fact, which I actually had forgotten, that uh, GST turns 18 this year, which is uh, a milestone. Yes. Happy 18th. Yep, um, it's legal now. Yeah, it's legal now. It's an adult. I can drink. Yep. <laughs> um, but it must be said that in, in the course of its history, GST has proven to perhaps be one of the wackiest uh, taxes that Australia has in its system. Um, showing my age, I'll briefly go back to 1993 when uh, John Hewson was the leader of the Liberal Party and had a discussion with Mike Willsey live on TV about the GST and a birthday cake. And if the candles were to cop the consumption tax or the icing or the cake inside and... Um, uh, the Liberals didn't win that election and uh, it possibly cost Mr Houston his uh, leadership of the party. But um, it went on and by the year 2000, when the Sydney Olympics happened, GST will also have happened. Um, but anyway, David, you've uncovered some of the more wacky elements of GST. Um, I'd like to hear all about it. Yeah, well, as you say, Steve, GST isn't as, uh, isn't as simple as... Uh some people like to paint it out to be. So um, <laughs> I was just reviewing the uh, goods and services tax industry issue, a uh, food list, uh, and, and just seeing what is and what isn't taxable and you know what's GST free. Mm. Um, I suppose one of the funny ones, or, or I say funny, is uh, apple cider. <laughs> if it's um, alcoholic apple cider, it's taxable. Right. Because it's not a beverage of a kind specified in Schedule 2 of the GST Act. Right. Right, it's a bit more information than you need. Yep. Uh, Non-alcoholic apple cider, which contains food additives, is also taxable because it is also um, not a beverage mm, of the right. kind specified in Schedule 2. <laughs> but non-alcoholic apple cider that consists wholly of apple juice with no food additives is actually GST-free Okay. because it's a, it's a beverage under Schedule 2. And there's just a series of things like this that if you, uh, you know, look through, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's just kind of funny, you know, um, <laughs> you know, uh, if we go to baguettes, the, uh, the French staple there, right. um, filled baguettes are taxable because it's similar to a sandwich, right. but unfilled baguettes are GST free. Okay. So, so you just buy a baguette, no GST, uh, but it's got, you know, cheese and tomato. Yep. That's a sandwich. What, what, that's a sandwich, therefore there 10%. Huh. And, um, you know, even biscuits, um, you know, that's um, one that's not as clear-cut. Um, for example, biscuit crumbs. <laughs> if, if, if you're so inclined to buy biscuit crumbs or a, a base mix of biscuits, uh, that's taxable. But biscuit flour is GST-free. Right. As is biscuit mixes that contain taxable ingredients, such as chocolate chips. Um, okay, so, so I don't understand. So biscuit mixes that you yep. buy from the shop to make yourself yep. are GST-free? And, no, go on. I, I was just going to come on to that, actually, okay. Steve, funny you say that. Uh, the, the ones that contain... Biscuit mixes that contain taxable ingredients right. are GST-free. Right, okay. However, biscuit... Fix it. There you go. Put my teeth in. Yep. Uh, Biscuit mixes that are sold with um, taxable non-foodstuffs, such as um, an apron, that is a mix supply. So it's not just whether they're taxable or free. There are some mix supplies thrown in there. (laughs) So, you know, it's just funny that you sit there, you know, you're in the shop, you know, as you do, and you think, um, oh, biscuits, yep, taxable. Yeah. Not 
not you know, necessarily. Not, not always the case. Oh, uh, something, something else that um, made me laugh is looking at things such as bones. Bones? Uh, yep, yep, and kidneys and, um, okay. you know, heart, if yep. you will, all the, all the innards. Um, if the bone or the kidney or whatever is uh, fit for human consumption, uh, it's GST-free. Okay. So if I if I'm buying some kidneys to make my steak and kidney pudding, yeah, yeah. you know it's um, GST free. But if I'm buying um, the kidney for uh, the cats at home, Charles and George, <laughs> or um, you know a bone for the dog, yeah, uh, that's actually taxable. So again, it's really it's so the you purpose. buy a, a, a say a bone to make some soup, yeah, and for yourself. Well, how do they know that? Oh, only I suppose. Yeah. It, it's okay, but if you buy this, it might be the second half of the of the thigh bone. That's for the for Fido. Yeah, yep. No, it's text. Okay. Yeah, correct. Oh, so um, yeah, it, it's it's just funny that you um, <laughs> you know you look through, and for example, um, you know even some of the healthier food. Uh, you know, uh, an example that's jumping out to me is a uh, healthy salt-free roasted nuts. Yep. There's a GST on those, but. Um, Maple syrup, tomato sauce, all the stuff that's slightly more unhealthy for right. you yeah. is GST free. So, um, okay, yeah, it, it's funny that you know you you do think that there's you know a broad. But I suppose this is the challenge. I mean, when they're introducing G, uh, GST on food items, someone had to go through. Now, um, listeners, you can't see, but there's an inch thick wad of paper in front of David. Mm. Is that the food list? Yes, that's, uh, <laughs> all eighty-seven pages of it, and they would have to go through every bit of. Item of food and drink to determine if it's taxable or not, I assume. Who got that job? Yeah, oh, God. some lucky person. <laughs> and um, yeah, so and don't forget, this is just a list for food. Um, so I'm sure there's plenty oh. of other of other things things out there that are subject to GST. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah but, but the long and short of it is, it's whether you know things are for human consumption, whether things are being mixed. Yep. You know whether it's marketed for culinary purposes or yeah, it's just it's not as um, it's not just it's not as open and closed as you buy. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. All yeah. right. I suppose we knew that about GST, but no one wants to talk about it. But here on the WTF corner, we, we talk about yep. these A things. little anecdote there. <laughs> um, okay, thanks again, listeners. Um, and I just wanted to mention that actually this, this is uh, David Edmonton's last appearance on the Tax Rap podcast. Thank you, David, for all your time and your input and your information. And, no, uh, th- thank you for having me. It's been, uh, uh, it's been a pleasure. And who knows, maybe I'll be back one day in the future. Yeah, guest appearance. You, you never you know. Go, well, you go on to bigger and better things than Tax and Super Australia. So um, I'll be following your career with interest. Uh, but thanks for all your input in the meantime. No, thank you, Steve. Uh, listeners, uh, thanks again. Uh, we'll be back next time.